Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together. And Lord, we, uh, we're excited, Lord, to, um, to hear from you this morning, Lord, and uh, we're just so thankful for your word, that it's a lamp unto our feet and just a light to our path, that, um, Lord, we don't need to be confused about um, anything that's going on in the world, uh, going on in our lives, because we know that you're in control. We know that you love us, you um, care for us, you love us more than we could ever even imagine or even think, Lord. And we want to just rest in that, in the reality of that, and uh, just praise you and thank you in advance for what you're going to do uh, throughout this day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we are going to be in James chapter 1. We're going to look at James in a couple of different ways. Uh, kind of put, him in, put it in perspective uh, by looking a little bit at the time frame in the book of Acts. And then I'd like to um, kind of have us look at the book of James uh, through the eyes of uh, James, the way he perceived Jesus. I mean, a lot of times we don't think about it, but James spent 30 years growing up with Jesus. Could you imagine 30 years growing up with the Lord? And of course, obviously, he didn't know he was who he was, but just amazing. So there's a lot of insight there as well. So let's see, James, uh, I'm going to go through this relatively quickly because we got communion and I don't want to keep you guys till like one or two this afternoon, so I don't want to shake a leg. Um, James, in um, AD 30, Acts 1.14 it says, these all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So we know at this point, James is saved. Uh, he wasn't, uh, we know through some of the accounts in the Gospels that um, he wasn't saved at that point. We know in uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen seven, it says that after that he was seen by James. Jesus appeared to uh, 500 plus people after um, he resurrected. And uh, that's when he appeared to James. And I, I just want you to think about that for a second, what that must have been like. You know, here's, here's James sitting there pondering, you know, what, what just happened? His, his older brother someone that I imagine he loved dearly, who, you know, um, was an integral part of his life, has been crucified and is gone. And James is, you know, and this is me speculating, of course, you know, sitting there thinking, I, I wonder, was it true? Was Jesus really the Messiah? Or, you know, was I wrong? I mean, could we have all been wrong? And before you know it, he turns and there's Jesus right there with him. Now, you got to, I mean, to get the impact of that, you got to think about that for a second. He's there alive, right there next to James. And now James is like, oh my gosh, Jesus, I'm, it's you. I, you know, could, the things going through his mind, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I never meant those things I said. I should, you know, and just trying to um, make excuses for all of that unbelief that he had. And can you just picture Jesus reaching over and just putting his arm around him and telling him, hey, don't worry about it. 
it's okay, it's okay, it's me, it's me. And just the relief that he must have felt. And as he's writing the book of James, you know, we see a lot of that in the letter. A lot of that in the letter. And, you know, we can relate to that. At least I know I could and I think you guys could as well. Um, Jane, I mean, P, uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. James knew Jesus in the flesh. But I'm telling you, after... 1 Corinthians 15, 7, he knew him in a totally different way. And you know what? It's no different for each one of us here. How many, how many times did you question the gospel? Or you thought, is this, is this stuff really real? I don't believe in Jesus. You know, he was just another man. You know, these things go through your mind and then you get saved. And then you know him in a totally different way. Right? I mean, have you guys experienced that? I mean, you, now, when you see Jesus now, it's like he's God. Totally different. And so this is what, one of the things I believe that um, is important as you read through James is see the impact that all of this had on his life. And, you know, Paul, James, you and I, our assessment of who Jesus is changed radically when we got saved. I mean, Paul, when he was Saul, wanted to kill Jesus. He got saved and he said, Lord, what do you want me to do, Lord? In an instant. In an instant. So here's a word of encouragement. Fourteen years passed before James is mentioned at all. It's roughly 17 years after James was saved that he wrote the book of James. And at this time, in the book of Acts, roughly around A.D. 46, 47, Paul is already almost a year into his first missionary journey. A lot of things happening. Uh, the point that I'm trying to make is that everything happens in God's timing. We need to adjust to his timetable and not him adjusting to ours. Everything happens in God's timing. You know, we can't push it forward. We can't slow it up. You know, everything happens in God's timing. So, Something to keep in mind as you're living out the rest of today, at least. God's in control. God's in control. And we're going to see that when we believe that, it opens the door to all kinds of faith in our lives. So if you guys want to turn to James chapter 1, and I, I um, have no idea how far we'll get, but the theme for James is spiritual maturity. Okay, James has learned that there's a difference between growing up and growing old for the Christian, right? Some Christians grow old but never grow up. You know, God's called us to mature in Christ, to maturity. So how could we get the most out of this study? Well, since the theme is spiritual maturity, we must begin by examining our own hearts to see where we are in the Christian life. Where are we in our walk with the Lord? If you want to get the most out of the book of James, it starts with some self-examination. And let me just read you a few verses out of chapter, towards the end of chapter one, just to give you an idea of what I'm saying. 
uh, James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. And it reads, uh, be, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So spiritual maturity, so important for us to, to grow in Christ. I think we've all heard this, um, this bumper sticker, uh, this saying, um, that if life hands you lemons, then make lemonade, right? You guys ever heard that before? Oh, all right. All right, well, stay awake. Stay with me now. All right. All right, so... Um, it's easier to smile at that statement than it is to practice it. But the basic philosophy is sound. In fact, it's biblical. Think about it. Throughout the Bible, we see people who have turned defeat into victory. Right? And trials into triumphs. Instead of being victims, they became victorious. James tells us that we have this same experience today. No matter how many trials uh, maybe on the outside or temptations on the inside, through faith in Christ, we can experience victory, right? And the result of victory is spiritual maturity. It's all apart. It all goes together. So we're going to read verses 1 through 8 in a second. And I'm going to be, um, I guess, painfully repetitious with uh, four imperatives that we're going to look at. And the reason is, um, I, need, um, I need repetition for me to, to learn. Uh, you know, I, I have to read something like four or five times to start to get the gist of it. And it really helps me, so I'm hoping that a little bit of repetition will help you guys remember these four imperatives. So if we're going to go, if we're going to turn trials into triumphs, uh, we need to highlight these four imperatives. Four necessary steps in our text that James uses with regards to trials. And um, saints, they're critically, and they're critical to our spiritual maturity. So the first one is count. The second one is know. The third one is let. And the last one is ask. So let's read verses 1 through 8. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings, my brethren, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So in the verse verse, you know, it's interesting. James tells us that he's a, a slave, a bondservant, and he acknowledges Jesus as the divine Lord, the Messiah, the Savior. 
uh, doesn't mention a word about, oh, by the way, it's my brother, um, Jesus, you know, we hung out. And, you know, he doesn't, he, it's not about that. It's about his lordship. And I like that because it shows me that um, it's, not, it's not always good to be real casual with the Lord, um, you know, sometimes we hear people say, oh, he's my buddy, or he, you know, God's not our buddy, he's our savior, he's our Lord. He's king, right? And we need to have that awe and respect for him. And uh, James is doing that. So then he goes on to say, um, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. So, like I said, we, we really need to pause for a little bit of perspective here, just to kind of see how this fits uh, into where we live today, of course, right, for the application, and to get an idea of what's going on as James is writing this. So, Acts 8, Saul is persecuting the church, and through the persecution, the Lord scatters the church throughout the Roman Empire, okay? Um, that's 35 A.D., roughly, James is written in 47 A.D. You know, I mean, obviously it, it could vary, but I'm going to use 47 A.D. as the date. So that's 12 years when the persecution starts to James writing about the persecution. And, you know, sometimes I don't want to be persecuted for 12 minutes, let alone think that, you know, when we read the Bible, we flip from one page to another, from one book to another, and think that, oh, it just happens that quickly. But, you know, the, the church that was scattered was being persecuted for close to 12 years. And, Paul, and James writes this book to them. And I think it's, it's easy for us to understand what's going on around us when you look at it through the lens of what James is going to be talking about. Because you know what? God has scattered us, right, through Monroe County, through wherever you, wherever you frequent your day, wherever you work, whatever you do during the day, God has scattered us as well. And it's important for us to understand that. So scattered, they were scattered by the persecution, the church was scattered as seed of the gospel everywhere they went. And the impact that they had was amazing, and we read about it in the book of Acts. I mean, think about it. By the time Paul made it to Rome, the church greeted him when he got to Rome. The church, I mean, through this, through this scattering and this persecution, the word of God spread. And that's important, and I'm going to highlight that in a minute. So that word scattered is diaspora. Dia being scattered, spora is seed. So James sees a believer scattered, and he knows that there's no mistake here, because he knows God is behind it. God scatters the church, and there's going to be fruit. There's going to be something good that comes out of this. And the word of God is going to be sown through these people's lives as they're scattered throughout the Roman Empire. So important for us to understand that. God is the one who di who's doing the scattering, right? By the time Acts chapter 8 comes around, the church is kind of comfortable in Jerusalem. Remember, Jesus told them they were supposed to go out into the world. Well, God uses the scattering to get them out um, into the world. And like I said, the application for us is that God has, for whatever reason, 
scattered us throughout Monroe County to be a light, to be a witness for him. You know, and God knows right where you are. God, you know, God has you right where he wants you. You know, right in the palm of your hand, right? God has you right where he wants you. Now, the question is, are you cooperating with that? Are you cooperating with what God is doing? Now, Pastor Richard, a couple weeks ago, mentioned, alluded, alluded to this when he was in Daniel, chapter 5, about, you know, you know being available, being usable, you know, as, as he was going through Daniel, just making yourself available, you know, just, you know, take a stand. And, of course, we know he, he meant it in a way that, you know, our lives, the way we live our lives, taking a stand for Christ, getting involved. Um, you know, we're thinking of, well, praying about starting the school back up. You know, we're, we're trying to cooperate what we believe God is doing and wanting us to do as he has us here in Penfield. Um, you know, Pastor Richard and myself are going to school board meetings, wanting to be a voice um, for the Lord there, to represent Christ there. That's where God has scattered us. You know, so wherever God has you, you know, it's important for us to cooperate with what God is trying to do in your life here. And, you know, of course, um, we're the body of Christ. We're, if, if at the very least, we're here to encourage each other, pray for each other, build each other up. You know, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. So important for us. So, James is going to tell us how we can profit from trials, okay? How we can um, profit from those things uh, that come into our lives that um, at times uh, we wish they never came, but they're there. And, we, you know, our perspective, how we view them is real important. So in verse 2, it says, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So like I said, James is going to give us four imperatives, four necessary steps to profit from our, our trials. So the first one is count. Okay, so he says, count it all joy when you go through various trials. So I'm going to give you a little um, summary of what the rest of the message is going to be like. And I'm going to do it in, I'm going to do it in kind of increments just so um, you get the point um, of what I'm trying to say. Because believe it or not, sometimes I could get off topic or get a little, a little off the point. But here it is. We can count it all joy when we go through trials because we know um, it's coming from God. That God has allowed it, that he's at work in a certain area in our life. And then knowing, knowing this, we, we develop patience or endurance. Right? And then that Third, that third imperative, let. By letting the situation unfold, because we know God is involved in the process, it makes it easier to withstand or endure the trial that we're going through. And then the last word is ask. And I know I've been through um, some trials in my day, in my walk with the Lord, that you know, I just couldn't figure out. I just didn't understand what was happening. I knew God was doing something. Um, I was doing my best to hang in there, but it was just getting difficult. And that last imperative, ask. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it liberally. 
you know, if you're going through a trial, you're in a situation and you just quite don't understand yet um, what God is up to, don't give up. Just ask him. Ask him for the wisdom. So important for us to see that. So he says, my brethren, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And that word count, it's an accounting term. It means to assess, to reckon, or consider. And basically what James is asking us is to think. You know, think about what's going on. Um, you know, why is this happening? You know, ask questions. God, you know, why? You know, why, why am I going through this? What can I learn from this situation? Instead of running from it, run toward it. Okay, why is this happening? And, and you know, it's, so you're considering it. Um, you're trying to assess it, right? So, you know, James says, take inventory. Take inventory of what you can learn from the situation. What is God trying to teach us? Okay, and what are trials? You know, they're outward circumstances, conflicts, sufferings, trouble. And um, our experience by all believers, there's, um, there's no exception to the rule, right? All of us go through trials. And trials aren't pleasant. I don't, anybody been through a pleasant trial? I mean, I haven't been through one of those yet. I've been through some other kind of trials, but no pleasant ones yet. But maybe one's coming down the road. Um, trials are a tool that God uses to refine and purify our faith. It produces patience and endurance. We can stay the course until the lesson is learned. And that's what, that's what James is trying to tell us. Count it all joy. Don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Don't try to get out from under it. But count it all joy. Because why? Because God's doing something. And he's telling us, find out what that is. Find out what that is. So trials are allowed by God in our lives. And guys, we need to know this. Um, they're not electives. <laughs> they're mandatory courses. The trials that we go through. And, you know, we think that that we could be exempt from trials. Um, not, even, um, not even Abraham was exempt from being tested, right? Not even Abraham. So please note this, that God is committed. God is committed to that work. Philippians 1, 6, Paul tells us, be confident of this very thing, that, who has, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. So my brother encountered all joy when you fall into various trials. And that Greek word here for various is varied colored. And in other words, James is saying that trials come in all shapes and sizes, right? That there's just not one kind of trial. They come from different directions, different kinds of trials. Um, and really, when he, he notice, notice he doesn't say when when. He doesn't say if, but he says when. He says when you're faced with these trials. They're coming. They're coming. But our perspective on why they're coming and when they come and what they're all about, that's critical for us and our maturing in Christ. Right? It's how we grow. It's how we grow. So it's not about if. It's about when. And, you know, when I first got saved, I thought, oh, man, you know, now that I'm a Christian... Ah, oh, piece of cake, man. No more troubles, no more difficulties. 
you know, I could just skate now. And, you know, the Lord is just kind of looking at me and said, Dave, you're a mess. I mean, there's a lot of work here. You know, this isn't going to be easy, but we're committed to doing it. And, you know, it was a process. It was a process that, and, um, you know, I keep forgetting the author who said it, but um, God saved us the way that he found us, but refuses to leave us that way. And it's the truth. You know, God found us and, you know, some of us were a little messier than others, but um, he, he looks at us and he loves us so much and he's just saying, hey, you know what, I, I just can't, you know, I just got to do something with this, you know. And, and he does, and he does. And he doesn't stop until we see him face to face. You know, it's, but, you know, tell me something. When your perspective is counted, you can count it all joy when you realize that the hand of God is behind it to refine your faith, to to refine your character. I mean, when God is doing something, I mean, it's exciting. And it changes your whole perspective on life. And think about James. I mean, the times that he went to Jesus, his older brother. Oh, Jesus, you know, I can't believe this is happening. You know, why? You know, why this? What's going cool? You know, I just can't believe it. And Jesus says, hey, James, don't worry about it. Just stay the course. Don't worry, don't worry about it. It's all going to work out. Just do the right thing right? Just going back, just that dialogue, and you see it here. Are you going through trials, this scattered, you know, this scattered church? Okay, we'll count it all joy, because God is doing something. And you know what, church, that's scattered abroad today? Hey, God is doing something. God is refining you. God is fine-tuning you to use you in some type of ministry, whether it's cleaning the church or prayer, it doesn't make any difference. You know, God is refining you. He has, he has something for you to do. And, uh, you know, we need to find that out. So it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. So let's move on to verse 3. So let me, let me just read one. I want to read the verses with it just to kind of keep the thought. James, a bondservant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes with our scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, you know, that's so, just that term of endearment, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various t- trials. So, you know, we've got to the counting. Now we, we're counting it all joy. Why? Because knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may, perfect, may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So we can count it all joy. Why? Uh, because we know that God is behind it, that God is allowing it. Romans 8.28 says that, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So ch- verse 3 tells us the why. It gives us the why we can count it all joy. Because God is working. He's producing something. You know, he's knowing that the testing of our faith produces patience. And that word testing of our faith occurs only here and in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. And I'll read those verses to you because they really pertain to what we're talking about here. It says, In this you greatly rejoice, though not for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith, 
being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by the fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So James speaks of testing of our faith. It's a picture of a precious metal that's being tested to, to show the, you know, the, the worth of it, the genuineness of it, the reality of it. And really, when we are in a trial, when we're being tested, you know, uh, the reality of the quality of our faith is being tested. You know, is it, what kind of, what quality of faith do you have? Um, do you, um, do you give in? Do you give up? Or is your faith strong? Are you persevering? And that's knowing that God's behind it. We can be patient and let him have his way. We can uh, persevere because we know he's in, you know, he's in it. He's in it. You know, if God is for us, who could be against us? That kind of mentality. You know, God is behind us, and I'm not giving up. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm hanging in there. I'm not going to give up. You know, because the enemy is in your ear saying, oh, man, you're not going to be able to do this. You know, how many times have you done this? No. You know, so you got a choice. You can either believe God or you can believe that little voice that's taken you nowhere. You know, God is not a man that he should lie. You know, God is just going to keep encouraging us with the truth. So without problems, we would never develop endurance. I hate to say it that way, but it's the truth. Problems are the price of progress, right? No pain, no gain. I know it's a gym slogan, but I mean, the reality is no pain, no gain. You have to work at refining your faith, cooperating with God. The aim of testing is not to destroy or afflict, but to purge and refine. To purge and refine. Boy, it really changes your outlook on a trial when you think about the fact that God is trying to, to refine your faith, to grow you, to mature you, to draw you closer to him in relationship. I mean, anybody here not want to be drawn closer to God? Anybody here not want to know him in a deeper, more intimate way? Well, it happens through the difficulties of life at times. I mean, and sure, we have our, you know, I'm not saying, hey, it's not all about gloom and learn. You can only learn through a trial. Um, you know, last night I was reading my Bible, getting ready to go to sleep, and I was enjoying it, and I was learning an awful lot about me, but it was, you know, it was a good time in the Lord. You know, but God is, when these trials come, we just got to have the right perspective. So when you're in a difficult situation, please know that the testing of your faith is producing something in you. And we see that in verse 3. Patience here means endurance or perseverance. And think about it. It's, it's not like you're waiting in traffic or like you're in line, you know, waiting to, to buy something at the store. No, what, what James is talking about here is bearing up under pressure. Okay, it's not about idle waiting. It's an active, enduring perseverance. You know, you're just not sitting around waiting. You're doing something about it. You know, you're moving forward. So let's kind of summarize where we're up to at this point. Okay, when, when you're being tested, James tells us to count it or take account, assess the situation, Right? We can count it all joy when we're in a trial, knowing this, that God's not allowing something in your life to harm you or to antagonize you, 
No, if he's letting something in your life, all right, he's doing it to pr produce something in you for your good. A.W. Tozer said, God may hurt us, but he will never harm us. The testing of our faith may hurt, but it will never harm you. It might hurt, but it's not going to harm you. It's going to be beneficial to you. So verse 4, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And that let is our third word, that third imperative. You know, James is saying, let the trial, whatever it is, let it take its course, let it happen. The idea here, basically, in the Hebrew is take your hands off the situation. Something's going on, you're not quite sure. Um, you, know, you know, there's a lesson to be learned, right? You know God is, is using it. So the, the reality of it is take your hands off of the situation and let God have his way. Uh, anybody here try to, uh, hands-on kind of guy, you know, Gail, you know, got to have your hand. You know, God is saying, hey, wait a minute. Let, let patience have its perfect work. Take your hand off of what's going on and let me work. It, God does know what's best for us, right? Hello? Yeah. Oh, all right. Man, I thought I was talking to myself there for a while. But you guys understand what I'm saying, right? It's just, sometimes you just got to be still and know that God is God. You don't understand what's going on. Um, you know, you're, you're frazzled. But you know what? God is still God. And through whatever is going on, he's teaching us something. And, you know, the only way to find out is to stay the course. Let him, let him, let him have his way, and isn't it? easier to do that when you know that he's behind it that he's doing it for your good to grow you to mature you to strengthen you you know it's working on that you know God's working on our character who we are God is you know and through that God is um, preparing you he's enabling you right these these um, believers that were scattered throughout the Roman Empire um, you know that was no mistake and like I said, those folks, were, those folks ended up where God wanted them. And they, you know, that persecution prepared them for that. And they carried that message with them. So let, let it happen, hands off. Get your hands off the situation. It's all about a surrendered will. Surrendering your will to God. And believe it or not, God does know, God knows best. Right? I, when I was thinking about that, I... When I was little, real little, I think, I used to watch that series, Father Knows Best, right? And at the end, he always knew the best thing, and everything just worked out perfectly, and, you know, it was just great. And, um, you know, in a, in a spiritual sense, um, you know, our Heavenly Father knows what's best for us. He knows. And uh, the problem is he has a hard time sometimes getting through to us, that he knows best, and he has our best interest at stake. And so, you know, because a lot of times, um, God's will and our will kind of conflict, right? I mean, it doesn't happen a lot to you guys, right? But it does occasionally, every once in a while. Um, you know, you're, you have a little bit of a conflict of interest with the Lord. 
But he always knows what's best, and believe it or not, um, he always gets his way. All right? Because he's, um, he's, he's going he's gonna to get his way, and it, it's easier to give, him, give in sooner than later. All right? Okay. So we take inventory. We count it all joy. Why? Because we know it's not in vain. We know God is behind it, right? So we count. We know. Um, we let the trial take its course. Um, we, we grow in our patience. We endure. Um, you know, we just stay on course, let God have his way, take our hands off the situation. And then the last thing, Oh, let me, one more thing. Let me just, I want to comment on the last half of verse four. It says that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Um, that's not talking about being sinless, okay? Obviously, um, you guys know that um, we'll be perfect when we're in glory, but down here, um, you know, we struggle with that perfection or trying to be that way. But, um, you know, it's about the whole point that James is trying to make is it's about growing up. It's about maturing in Christ. You know, we're talking about spiritual maturity. The goal is maturity. And maturity comes as Jesus is conformed in our lives as we grow in him. So the last word in verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. So James is saying... (laughs) Uh, let's try something different. Let's try something else here. Um, You know, he's not saying make an appointment with an analyst or, uh, you know, buy a newspaper and check your horoscope. I don't even know if they still have, do they still? Is the newspaper, do we have, do they still have newspapers? (laughs) Wow. All right, yeah, so anyway, no, what he's saying is to to these dispersed believers, hey, let's, Let's try something else. Instead of going all over to everybody else or doing all these other things to find out what's going on or getting direction, here's a novel concept. Ask God. Ask God. And I know that um, you guys know I'm partly kidding about the part of going around in circles and trying to get the answer all over the place, but doesn't that happen? Something's going on and you talk to this person, you talk to that person, or... You just wonder what's going on. You'll go online and look something up. But, you know, James is saying, just ask God. Ask God. Remember who his brother was when he had an issue, when he needed clarity, what did he do? Jesus, I'm having a hard time with this. You know, and Jesus gave him, you know, you know that he gave him godly advice, right? You know, ask God for the answer, for the wisdom for the particular situation you're in. And the wisdom that God gives isn't necessarily information on how to get out of the problem that you're facing. Rather, it's insight on how to learn from one's difficulties. You know, God, what, what, what's there to learn? What am I learning from this? What's the reason behind it? Ask. Dialogue with God. You know, as you're letting, um, you know, things take their course, as you're taking your hands off of the situation, and you're asking God, you know, what's going on? What should I do? You're seeking his direction. It's not, um, asking for wisdom is not asking for more information about how to avoid times of testing, 
but instead a new perspective on trials. You know, we can, try, we can pray all we want to ask God not to allow any more trials in our lives. I don't know if that one's going to get answered, uh, but, you know, asking God for wisdom as you go through the trials or as you go through life, you know, I know for sure he's going to answer that one because the word tells us that he's going to. So here's the thing. Here, this is like the reality of it, okay? I hear what you're saying. Um, you know, when I was reading this, uh, you know, I said, okay, you know, I mean, Lord, I understand totally. But here's the deal. I, I, I've counted. <laughs> I've been assessing. I've been reckoning. I've been doing all of that. Um, you know, I know for sure that this is coming from the Lord. Um, I understand that too. And you know what? I'm, I am taking my hands off the situation. You know, I'm doing my best to do it. But I'll tell you what. Things aren't getting any better. You know, in fact, I'm doing all the things that I'm supposed to be doing, but they're getting worse. What do you do? What do you do? You ask God for the wisdom. You ask him for the grace. You seek the Lord. You know what? As the temperature rises, then you need to seek the Lord more. And that's what James is saying. When things got difficult for him, he went to his older brother. And what he's telling us, when things get difficult in your life, go to my older brother. Go to Jesus. Go to God. He's got the answers. Whatever is going on in your life, He'll shed light on it. He'll give you the answers that you need. So James is encouraging us to ask. I'm sure that Jesus told him time and time again, hey, look, you know, go try this. If it doesn't work, come back. We'll work on it. You know, that working together. And you wonder, you wonder, was James in the crowd when Jesus in Luke 11 was teaching when he said, I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And he who knocks, it will be open. So the tenses in these verses are continuous. Keep, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. You know, continuous. It's a continuous thing. And what James is saying here, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask continually. You don't get the answer, keep knocking, keep asking, keep going to the Lord. And then when you get that answer, keep going to the Lord. You know, just keep seeking the Lord. It needs to be a continual process. And you know, the end of verse 5, I'm running out of time. The end of verse 5, and we'll stop at verse 5 here, it says, who gives to all liberally, and without reproach, it will be given to him. One thing that you'll never hear from the Lord, and one thing that James never heard from Jesus when they were together, is, you're bothering me, kid. Never. Never. When you, you know, it isn't like you go to the Lord, and he, you know, he looks at you and says, you know, gee, Dave, you know, this is like the 10th time this month that you've come to me with the same problem. You know, I did, I mean, there is a Bible down there someplace, right? Have you read it? You know, or, you know, how come every time you come to me, it's only when you have an issue, there's a trial going on in your life. How come I never see you just on a, you know, just want to hang out, uh, you know, just get to know each other a little bit more? Why is it always this way? You know, God doesn't do that. You know, people might do that. But don't confuse 
a person's character with God's character. I guarantee you that James is writing this because every time he went back to Jesus with the same issue, Jesus never told him, come on, you know, what's the matter with you? You know, I, I really believe in my heart that every time he went to the Lord, that he embraced him, he spent time, you know, talking with him, pointing him back in the right direction, you know, go stay, you know, like just encouraging him. You know, guys, when we're going through a trial, when we, we're facing difficulties and God is refining us, that's, those are the times that we need to, to just pursue him more. The enemy would say, God's given up on you. Come on, man, you, you know, you loser. I mean, look at you. I mean, you, you've been hung up on this sin for how long? And, you know, don't buy into any of that. And, you know, the, the reason why um, that we don't have to buy into any of that is because it's a lie. What James is telling us is true, right? Count it. Know that God's behind it. Right? Know that it's going to be, it's going to produce something. It's going to produce patience and endurance in your life. And then, you know, when it, when it seems like it's given even more difficult, let, let it take its course. <clears throat> Should let it take its course. I'm losing my voice. Let it, you know, just let it take its course. You know, let patience have its way. And then when the, you know, as it develops and you lack wisdom, you need more information. Ask of God because he gives it liberally. You know, hang in there. And you know what? We're going to take communion now. And I just want you to think about the stuff that we talked about this morning. And this is like critical stuff for the believer to understand um, how we, our perspective on trials. But you know what? None of this, none of this would be available to us if it weren't for the cross. None of it would be available for us if, if Jesus wasn't faithful to stand in the gap for us, to pay the price for us. Our relationship, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And, you know, as I was thinking about that today, I was thinking about, well, do this in remembrance also for what, you know, what, not only what Jesus did, remember him and what he did at the cross, but remember and understand what's available because of the cross. Because if it weren't for what this represents, there would be, we'd have no hope. I just want to read um, a few verses out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Starting in verse 23, Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. This do often as you, think, as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And it's interesting. Um, it looks back to the cross, but also to the future of his return. And to think of what because Jesus did on the cross, 
redeeming us, paying that price for us, you know, until the Lord comes back and we get to live our lives out uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, having the, the relationship, the intimate relationship, um, having an intimate relationship with the Lord. I mean, we remember what he did. Um, I want to encourage you today to remember the benefits of what he did, what's available to us. You know, and someday he's going to come back and he's going to collect his church and we're going to be with him forever. Um, you know, in light of that, sometimes, you know, I mean, if you're, in a, if you're going through a trial or a difficulty, think about what's available through Christ, what he's done, his faithfulness to us, his desire to be um, an active part of everything that we are and everything that we do. So with that said, um, you know, take the elements. Um, if you want to just take a second, say a little prayer, whatever, and, you know, just between you and the Lord, that's great. But let's, um, let's partake. All right, well, if anybody wants prayer, we'll be up here. If not, um, enjoy your day. I pray that Jesus will be right in the center of it. Amen.